This is 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions. Brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect at CarrieCharles.com. And now, here's Carrie Charles. Hello, I'm Carrie Charles, your host of 5G Talent Talk. And today we're talking about how artificial intelligence will impact the human workforce. I'm so excited today to have with us Rana Goodral. Rana is an entrepreneur, speaker, investor, and CEO of Behavioral Signals. It's an enterprise software company that delivers an AI engine that introduces emotional intelligence into speech recognition technology. Rana has been awarded the Entrepreneur of the Month by CIO Magazine and Top 10 Entrepreneurs to Follow in 2017 by Huffington Post. He was also recently listed in Inc. Magazine as an AI entrepreneur to watch. You can find his writing in publications such as Inc., TechCrunch, and Forbes. Rana, thank you so much for joining us today. Carrie, it's a real pleasure. Thank you for the opportunity. So tell us about your company, Behavioral Signals. Absolutely. Uh, thanks again for letting us uh, talk about Behavioral Signals and uh, for, uh, for giving me the opportunity to be here on your show. Uh, as, uh, as a deep tech company, we're looking to solve some, some big problems. And what, we, what we're focused on is deducing intelligent and actionable insights from conversations. So if you think about the human communication as a process itself, it's, it's fairly complex. And what it does is it depends on words being spoken as well as the way they're being expressed. And what we do at Behavioral Signals is we, we excel at distinguishing signals, specifically behavioral signals in speech data with a proprietary deep tech tech. And what we do is we capture acoustic cues, intonations, and other interaction signals and discover emotions, behaviors, and other insights, even go as far as predict uh, behavioral intent prediction uh, that, that apply into behavioral business insights. And that's, that's what we that's what we do at behavioral signals. Um, so, I mean, I could go deeper into it, but... Uh, very, very high level, if you think about the traditional NLP and voice interaction capabilities that, that exist in the market today, they largely focus on what is being said. And what we do is we introduce the ability to understand how something is being said in addition to what is being said. So that's, uh, that's a little bit about us. Very good. Very good. We'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, mm-hmm. There is a lot of buzz surrounding artificial intelligence. What is and what is not AI? Yeah, that's a fascinating question, isn't it? Um, we, we hear a lot about AI. We hear it uh, pretty much, uh, you know, ad nauseum nowadays with, with companies looking to differentiate their capabilities uh, as an AI capability. I think I think when you think of AI, um, for for the most part, um, my definition is fairly simple. I think of AI is a capability that allows um, inanimate systems to do uh, things or have abilities that currently, presently, humans are just better at. And so we're we're looking to sort of share workload. We're looking to have these systems, whether it's a computer program or it's a machine or uh, it's a voice assistant, do things that currently 
only humans can do. And as a result, uh, you know, it, it could be a better aid. It could improve uh, our overall uh, experiences in terms of how we interact with different things. But additionally, it just solves for business challenges that haven't been able to address today with, with the capabilities in the market. So that's, that's how I think of AI. I mean, but I think of AI, it's really um, sort of bridging that gap which exists uh, in, uh, in sort of, sort of, like sort of uh, the, the software systems and machines uh, from, from a perspective of um, this can't be done. This can't be done. You need a human to do this. And so if you can't have somebody, some, uh, some entity to be able to address those things, that's, that's AI in my definition. So I'm curious, is mis- machine learning and AI the same thing? Well, not necessarily. Uh, machine learning is an ability that is uh, fundamental to building an AI capability, right? So machine learning is essentially a science that, uh, that works off a very, uh, very typical uh, sort of uh, a learning-based approach in terms of let's predict an outcome, let's uh, let's define that attributes that lead to that outcome prediction, then measure that outcome and, and see if that outcome is uh, close to expectations or not, or in other words, it's accurate or not. And if that outcome is inaccurate, then go revise those, uh, those, those sort of assumptions around those attributes or even uh, sort of adjust the weightage around those attributes or curate the data further to, to sort of sort of solve for those gaps. And so it's, it's how we learn, right? So when we learn, we learn based on uh, data points around us. We, we, we have our own life experiences and we have our own sort of, uh, I said, knowledge areas. And so if you're trying to solve a problem as a human, we go about and we, we combine those abilities and all the data points that we have and we make an assumption around what the solution needs to be. And Oftentimes we're wrong, and this is sort of what you sort of hear about. It's like you know, failure is a, is a fantastic uh, sort of coach in a way that the more you fail, the more you learn, and it, it just works, works exactly the same in machine learning. So when you're when you're not getting the desired outcomes, uh, you're building a system that learns from it and it adjusts its attributes and it it works on more accurate set of data uh, data sets. And uh, as a result, it, you create the self-learning engine where uh, the more, um, more data you feed in and the more outcomes it predicts and the more it learns from its failures, the more accurate it becomes. And so it, it's an ability that eventually leads to capabilities that then gives a software system or a machine uh, an, an ability that could then be called as artificial intelligence. You're listening to 5G Talent Talk. I'm Carrie Charles here with Rana Gudral. We're talking about how artificial intelligence is going to impact the human workforce. Rana, um, many jobs performed by humans today will be eliminated with AI applications. Um, how will the workforce recover from this shift? I think um, for the most part, you know, the fear that AI is here to get our jobs and uh, will have a significant job, la- job, job loss with AI is somewhat exaggerated. Um, in, in my opinion, um, AI is a capability uh, not much unlike, uh, say, uh, the, the big machines uh, that came in to help 
in terms of agriculture or production or even sort of uh, product manufacturing. Um, so certainly those things were being done by humans before. Uh, but when a machine came in, it enhanced the overall productivity. It, it, it made things uh, just sort of better from a, from an overall ecosystem standpoint where it bought the cost of goods down. And it also enabled other uh, ecosystems to prosper, which weren't uh, sort of uh, possible in the past. Uh, but on the downside, there were certain things that certain humans were doing, uh, which were sort of like manually assembling products. Uh, which were uh, no longer necessary. And as a result, those humans and the, that, that population of the workforce had to be retrained. And so the same thing happened with software systems. And the same things happened with advancements in, in, in biomedicine and in other capabilities. And so with that, artificial intelligence is certainly going to take over some of those things that currently uh, we're relying on humans to do. But then that allows those humans and that, that, that population of workforce to then start to focus on um, other possibilities and other uh, sort of uh, work areas that, uh, that, that require their attention. And so I personally feel that, um, you know, for the most part, as we see today, the, the, the basic ecosystem of AI solutions um, is largely geared towards uh, not really replacing what humans do, but really helping humans do what they do better. And I don't think that's going to change significantly over the next couple of decades. Um, you know, beyond that, um, I think uh, maybe maybe there's a more forward progression in terms of uh, really replacing abilities. But uh, in, in the near term, uh, I really feel it's more of an augmenting capability, which allows us to do newer things and do, do things which we do today better by leveraging some of these, uh, some of these uh, new technologies at hand. So, Rana, you talked about uh, that the workforce needs to be retrained. Um, what can people do to prepare for this? Um, are companies going to be retraining these people? Do we need to take responsibility for our own futures and, and start training ourselves? What, what can we do to prepare? I think it's a shared responsibility. Uh, certainly, uh, we... We have, as as corporations and as companies, that uh, that that have a workforce that might be impacted by newer technologies that we are absorbing and uh, embracing. We have the responsibility to to retrain the workforce uh, towards uh, towards other value added tasks. But that being said, I think it's always wise to be proactive. It's always wise to sort of look at. Uh, sort of your core capabilities. I always say, like, I mean, if you're if you're um, if you're a software programmer, and you, I mean, if you take that as an example, um, you you worked very differently uh, as a programmer, uh, say a decade ago. Uh, there were a lot of things which you had to build from scratch. You had to really build the basic tenets of a software system pretty much on your own because those didn't exist in the market today. And uh, at, at that point. And so if you've sort of seen how the progression has happened, I mean, there's, there's uh, building a software today is more sort of building, uh, you know, assembling building blocks. You have a lot of out-of-box systems that, that, that are available to you. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. And so uh, the smarter programmers have taken that ability and actually used that as a position of strength because now they've been able to really build advanced products versus small small fundamental uh, libraries or essential elements of a software system. And 
And that requires a little bit of foresight. You just say, okay, um, if there are things that I'm doing today that are possible by uh, these technologies that are available to me, is, does it hurt me or does it help me? Because this is my core science. This is my, uh, my core domain, and this is my expertise. And so I should be able to best leverage these newer capabilities. And so these newer capabilities are, in a sense, um, there for me not against me. They're there to help me do my job better and there for me to provide a new set of value adds to, to my audience and to, uh, to, to my clients, or for, for the lack of a better word. And so I personally think that it's all in the mindset. Um, and so the largely the responsibilities on, our, on us uh, to sort of, uh, sort of look at our core set of uh, um, skills and see how it can be augmented with new technologies at hand and experiment with them and test those out and try those out and, and learn from them. And that in, that in turn, uh, as a professional, it allows us to be better at our jobs. Now, I mean, that being said, maybe that example doesn't play out uh, for every, um, every skill set. And certainly there are certain skill sets which uh, will be impacted. And I think, uh, I think it's, uh, I mean, uh, it's, it's a shared responsibility there. I mean, if, if, uh, that there's a certain capability that we feel uh, really will impact um, a, a significant portion of the youth uh, workforce, uh, then I think uh, that there's, a, there's definitely value add in investing in some training opportunities across the board. So I agree with you, Rana. It's all in the mindset. And, and let's talk about that just for a moment. Um, AI seems to be creating anxiety, fear, and uncertainty. Can you put these fears to rest and tell us how, how will AI help people? Um, how can we see this as a positive instead of a negative? And you've talked a little bit about it, but I want to go into this a little bit more. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I think, you know, the one way to see it as a positive is that um, we will be able to do things uh, which uh, currently um, have have been uh, have been hard for us to do. Like so, for example, let's just take an example of um, of um, you know applications of AI in say health tech. Today, um, our our medical professionals are mired with a lot of paperwork. Um, they, they they have to they have to do it for regulations and for uh, from uh, from a certain compliance standpoint. And so um, that that precious doctor patient time is often um, you know spent in in feeding that information into a computer system. If you've been to a doctor's office, you've seen the doctor sort of frantically typing on on the laptop on the computer system as you're as you're speaking to uh, speaking about your symptoms and how you're feeling, and also searching up certain aspects which uh, which is are essential for that that medical professional to make a decision on their diagnosis, and that time could rather be spent in really engaging empathetically with the patient, really trying to understand uh, how the person's feeling and the mental state of mind, not just the symptoms, but really connecting uh, at a more cognitive level with the, with the, with the client. And uh, that is what the promise of medical science has been. And, uh, but for us, the busy lives and all the things that we have added to, say, the medical professionals uh, to do things, it's it's hard to do it now. If you have a capability, and so you have certain certain companies that are working on 
very advanced uh, scribes, and so these these intelligent entities listen to the conversations, and 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 aid the medical professional in real time by by propping up uh, relevant pieces of information so that the, the the doctor doesn't have to search for it, and also uh, sort of uh, scribing and summarizing the conversation uh, so that the doctor is not spending that time, and that that time is better spent engaging with the client. So that's a win-win. I mean, I see that as, is that replacing what a doctor does today? Yes. But those things that are being replaced, uh, the doctor would rather not do to begin with. And if you look at um, the vast majority of AI applications today, they're, they're in that bucket. They're in the bucket of replacing things that a, per, a person or a human is doing today, uh, which a human rather would not do, or it's not really the best uh, use of that, that person's time to begin with. And uh, so if you, have, if you have an ability to sort of delegate that to an intelligent system, that, that is a win-win across the board. I'm Carrie Charles, your host of 5G Talent Talk, here with Rana Gudral, the CEO of Behavioral Signals, and we are discussing how artificial intelligence will impact the human workforce. Rana, can you tell us a little bit more about your area of expertise, behavioral prediction? How will this technology help companies, people, and society as a whole? Absolutely. So... As I said, our core science is uh, is focused around deducing uh, very specialized uh, signals from uh, from a voice conversation. Um, way our science works is we key off on specific aspects of tonality and pitch variance. So uh, rather than focusing on just the words that are being used, we're focused on how those words are being said. And uh, with that, we are able to deduce signals such as um, emotion signals such as anger, happiness, sadness, and behavioral signals such as engagement, empathy, politeness. And, and then we, we combine those capabilities into some advanced uh, prediction engines. So, for example, uh, having an ability to predict if a client's going to pay or not pay or a debt holder, sorry, a debt holder is going to pay or not pay or a client's going to buy or not buy. Uh, but for the most part, what, what we're doing is uh, we're, we're taking those abilities and we have a, we have a two a parallel set of focus areas. The first is to augment human-to-human interactions. And what we do is we deliver new use cases and KPIs that optimize these interactions. So, for example, um, sales accelerations, first call optimization, real-time feedback for agents, um, building capabilities that enable behavioral coaching and training even sort of uh, building specialized uh, audit engines from a compliance and QA standpoint that, that leverage, uh, leverage the core signal detection capabilities and, and classify a good outcome and a bad outcome. So all those use cases are very, very valuable for businesses. Vast majority of business touch point, it happens through voice conversations. And vast majority of sales happens through phone calls. And so there's a lot of insights that we are simply leaving on the table, for the lack of a better word. We're just simply not doing much with it, and we make that possible. Now, a second parallel focus area for us is to take the, to, to take the, take the dynamics uh, of human-to-human interaction and model that within human-to-machine interactions. So such as building uh, emotionally and socially aware voice assistants and social robots. Um, this This allows us to 
build capabilities that deliver a completely new user experience. So, so for example, if you have um, if you have um, a voice assistant, or if you have a, even if you have a robot uh, that 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 is geared towards maybe being a companion or uh, maybe an aide or a helper for a senior, or uh, or our more specialized system, say it could be uh, a helper kiosk or information desk at an airport. Uh, virtualized entity at an airport. Uh, you you do if you if you have if you have a use case there where you're conversing with a human, then the the goal there is to converse like a human does. So you and I are talking. Uh, um, it's it's not necessarily just exchanging words. We're also trying to relate to each other, uh, each other's state of mind. We're trying to figure out how the other person's feeling at a moment of time. And uh, is 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 our conversation relatable or not relatable? And and that's that's a natural aspect of a human to uh, relate with a cognitive state of mind. And uh, if if we can take that ability and we can build that into uh, an interaction between a human and machine, then that significantly improves that whole dynamic of how people interact with uh, with these systems. And so those are our two focus areas. Um, and uh, that's, uh, that's, that's kind of what we're focused on right now. What a fascinating glimpse into the future, Rana. Um, before we close, how can we connect with you? For sure. Um, but the best way would be to uh, go to our webpage. Uh, it's uh, www.behavioralsignals.com, uh, which is the behavioral with the U.S. spelling. So it's B E. H-A-V-I-O-R-A-L signals.com. You could also reach out to me uh, on Twitter, uh, my first and the last name, uh, or my webpage, ranagujral.com. And, uh, you know, especially if you're a researcher or you're a student who is looking to apply uh, our capabilities in, in some interesting ways, we do have a developer program. We also have a program that's geared towards academic institutions, and we, we make our technology available for free to sort of allow for uh, intelligent experimentations around certain, certain sort of problem areas, and we'd be happy to work with you, happy to uh, sort of uh, engage and further that cause. Um, and if you're a business that could benefit, uh, we'd love, love to work with you in, towards uh, some, uh, some mutually beneficial outcomes. Rana, it sounds like not only are you building the technology of the future, but you are making a difference as well. That's, that's great. Thank you, Carrie. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you, Rana, for joining us today. This has just been wonderful. We really, really appreciate you coming on. Thanks, Gary. It's been a real pleasure. And thank you for listening to this episode of 5G Talent Talk. This podcast has been brought to you by RCR Wireless News, Telecom Careers, and Broadstaff Talent Solutions. I would love to hear from you. Um, you can connect with me at carriecharles.com. And please join me for the next episode of 5G Talent Talk. You've been listening to 5G Talent Talk with Carrie Charles, CEO of Broadstaff Talent Solutions, brought to you by RCR Wireless News and Telecom Careers. Connect with Carrie at carriecharles.com.